0: All right, well, welcome, good morning. This is Conversations from the Front Porch. We're lucky to have with us today, Dr. Trisha Berry, who is Associate Dean and Director of Clinical and Practicum Programs at Purdue Global University. Um, I know uh, Trish because of our association with AAACE and uh, her. Uh, she is on the board uh, with AAACE now as the Commission Director for Distance and Teaching and Learning. But uh, she also has some experience with the Iowa Distance Learning Association and has been involved in online education since 2006. Wow. Welcome, Trish.
1: Thanks, Leslie. <laughs> uh, and and thank you all for tuning in and for listening to this. Um, I, I think, you know, for me, I know what we're going to talk today about is, is about working remotely and and distance learning. And you know, for me, I have been in this role uh, for 13 years or so, a little over that. Um, I think one of the biggest things I learned as I transitioned into working remotely, because I came from a campus environment before that, yeah. um, is when I first came over to an online environment, my thought was, OK, I'm just going to take everything I do in the classroom and then translate it into online. And sort of you sort of had to problem solve some of those things and figure out how to make that happen what i realized though early on as i was doing that is that that wasn't going to work that there are things that are different in the virtual environment and that the things that had been effective for me in a face-to-face classroom and face-to-face leadership were not necessarily going to be effective in the virtual environment, and so I got very interested in that, and just coincidentally happened to be starting my dissertation program, my my doctoral program, at that same time, oh, uh, and so ended up ended up doing my dissertation research on virtual teams.
0: Oh, excellent! Well, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, um, what I focused on my dissertation research, the focus was with uh, servant leadership with virtual teams. I'm I'm very much about serving as a leader as well, so I wanted to do a cross-section of that. I think when you look back at the literature on remote work teams, um, things are definitely different, and and the literature all says what I just said in my introduction, that you can't do things the same as you would in a face-to-face environment. And I think probably the, the biggest reason for that is the loss of context in a face-to-face environment. You have visual cues, you have body language. Um, you learn a lot about people by not even directly interacting with them. You learn a lot by seeing their facial expression when you walk by their office, or how chatty they are in the lunchroom, or things like that, or who they're even talking to, or who they're interacting with. We lose all of that context when you go into a virtual environment and so we a lot of times have no idea what else is going on in the background with people and that makes leadership
0: really really different i didn't even think about that i thought about the loss of nonverbal communication right trish and some of that and 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 not being able to see some of those cues but i i forgot about the interaction in in and amongst people Yeah, you lose all of
1: that context. We don't have, um, we have, I can't say we don't have any way, but we have less ways, less um, input about people in the remote environment. And, And if you look at it, even if people are connected on social media and interacting on social media, um, you may learn some about a person and you certainly can learn about you know, what's important to them or maybe sometimes, unfortunately, their political views and things like that. <laughs> um, but even yes. those representations are a little bit of, of a flat presentation. Like when you see somebody's political views, for instance, right. on Facebook, you interpret them based on your own lens and your own perspective. Well, that might not actually be what they intended when they posted, yes. but in the virtual world, we all interpret things based on our own context, so sometimes things get interpreted very, very differently than what people intend or what they would have if you
0: were in a face-to-face interaction. Yes, I, I can, I can definitely see that. Yeah. I mean, I had thought about that in terms of how email, right? I mean, right. it's been, we've been using email for many, many years now. And, and I knew that email didn't translate uh, the context as well, but the, that's very good.
1: Yeah. And I think that makes everything we do in the virtual environment just more difficult because we don't have level setting for context, and the research shows us this in the literature that in order to be an effective manager in a remote environment, you have to be careful about setting context, and you can't actually just set the context once. You have to keep setting it over and over and over again, because that's the other thing that the literature shows about virtual teams is that setting standards once isn't effective you have to keep revisiting those standards and going back to them so that everybody stays focused on them because it is again when you're not all together and you're not all seeing the same stuff and and interacting in the same way it's really easy to lose focus on whatever those standards are
0: so what are some of the best practices that you would talk to us about in terms of remote supervision or helping people understand those standards trish yeah, I think
1: there's, there's kind of two things. And I'm going to back up from the standards for just a moment and okay. talk about the importance of trust. Research shows us that in a virtual environment, trust is even more important than it is in a face-to-face environment. And if, again, if you stop and think about that, it makes sense logically that if we're not face-to-face and we're not interacting with each other directly every day, we have to have a greater level of trust in the people that are around us.
0: Yeah.
1: So then going back to some of the standards, if you, if you think about trust and you keep trust in the center of what you're trying to do all of the time, one of the best ways to establish trust in a virtual environment is through tasks. Okay. Because again, we don't have interaction, we're not seeing each other face-to-face, we're not interacting on a personal level as much, although we may some, but not as much as you would probably in a face-to-face environment. Right. So the way that we build build trust through one another is through task oriented behavior. How quickly people answer emails. How closely they stick to the policies or agreements that people have made. Uh-huh. Um, you know how how they complete their job tasks. If they're given an assignment and it's supposed to be done by a deadline, are they meeting that deadline? Or are they not meeting that deadline? Those are the kinds the behavioral things from tasks that build the trust in the virtual environment so I say all that to say that one of I think the biggest recommendations for a remote manager is to think about that number one think about the trust and building the trust and maintaining the trust but then also think about how you can structure tasks to build trust not only between you and the people you're supervising but between teammates and the folks that are working together right and also creating enough structure that it facilitates that that trust so if you create a super loose structure that doesn't have any defined boundaries it's going to be harder for team members to trust one another right whereas if you build a structure that has very specific tasks and people are are clear on what expectations are, it's going to be easier for them to trust one another. Okay. As long as they're following through on the tasks, right? Now, if they don't follow through on the tasks, that's a whole nother issue. But
0: <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast, right? Right.
1: <laughs> right. Well, then, that, but in just like in any other environment, then it becomes a performance issue, right? If you yes, set expectations exactly. and someone isn't meeting the expectations then there's a performance issue. And that's the other thing that's important about clear expectations is it allows you to measure. You know, one of the the criticisms often of remote work is that managers can't um, see what their staff are doing. And so somehow there's this idea that if your manager can't see you, you're doing things you shouldn't be doing, yeah. which honestly isn't true for most people. No. But if you have a really, really clear standard set, that's how the manager knows okay, that you, know, makes sense. you know, you're supposed to complete XYZ tasks today, and those are all done, so I know that that person's still, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, right. So setting those guidelines helps build the trust, it helps, um, it helps set expectations, um, and then it also gives employees parameters for what they should and, and shouldn't be doing.
0: I think this is really important, Trish, in terms of what's going on right now. We were just told at our university that we're going to continue remote operations until the end of of June, you know, and and lots of other universities are doing the same thing. I think these are are critical ideas in terms of what happens next, right, because the guidance was, you know, it was general guidance in terms of touching base with your manager, but I think that the focusing on behaviors, right, and be able to to complete tasks, as you said, right, and and around those guidelines are very important. Those right. Are, those are easy things, or somewhat easy, right? You have tasks, um, and there are expectations around those tasks, and we don't we don't watch everybody every minute of the day, anyway.
1: You couldn't right you drive yourself crazy and especially you know
0: if you're managing a
1: team that's spread all over the country or all over the world Mm -hmm. you you can't keep track of what everybody's doing every day i mean i i I firmly believe that it's about impossible to micromanage in a virtual environment now it's not that people don't try and and i've heard nightmare stories especially lately with with people more people working from home like you know, I, I had a story from a friend who knew someone that they had to be required to answer an IM within a certain number of seconds after they wear IM during the day. And oh if they didn't goodness. answer it that quickly, then they obviously weren't working. And those are the kinds of mistakes you see people, number one, who aren't comfortable with virtual environment, right. but number two, who are, are taking the wrong approach with virtual environment. Right. Um. That, you know, just because someone's answering an IM doesn't mean that they're actually getting their work done. <laughs> and just because they don't answer an IM doesn't mean they're not getting their work done, too. Right. So you have to, you do have to gain a certain level of trust with your employees, but I think that's where those standards come in. Yeah. You know, create, you know, well, it's easiest to say, like, for a sales job. You know, if they're supposed to make contact with, 20 customers in a day well you can clearly see if they've done that or not and as long as they're making contact with their 20 customers in a day they should probably be meeting their standards for their job now there's a lot of gray area there and you could talk about quality and things but setting those standards setting those boundaries and parameters gives you that ability to manage and then after that you kind of got to trust the people I mean you gotta you you need to watch what they're doing and keep an eye my my boss has a great saying he says trust but verify so you you can't just dismiss it as a manager and not pay attention to it at all but you should be able to set those guidelines and pretty much let folks go okay
0: that's great so uh, we've talked about uh trust and the behaviors and things like that and you said um some managers want to instantly IM and have a response, what are some other common pitfalls that perhaps new remote managers should be aware of?
1: I think almost being too hands off. So there's this, there's a super fine balance in remote work between staying in contact with your people and staying connected and letting them do their thing without getting too involved in micromanaging so one one way to do that i think we always have to be careful about maintaining those connections with our people okay um and so i think there's routine communications help do that routine meetings making sure there's established checkpoints for how people check in with one another so i have just as an example and this isn't the only way to do things but this is my example um i have routine one-on-ones with all of my staff and my faculty And so they know, and it it depends on what position they're in and what kinds of things they're doing, how often I have one-on-ones with them. And it also depends on how long they've been in their role. When folks are newer, I meet with them more often. Right. Um, But we have regular one-on-ones and I'm very disciplined about keeping those one-on-one meeting times set. And the reason I do that is so that I can have that connection with those folks.
0: Right. So it's structure. It's structured, but it's it's uh, dependent upon the individual
1: right and their role and what they're doing and again how familiar they are i have i have a lot of people who worked for me for a very long time so we don't need as many one-on-ones as maybe a newer person was would need and you know when you're transitioning for the first time into a a remote environment there's a lot of people out there right now going through that it can be really overwhelming and so part of what I have seen my role as as a remote manager is making sure that I'm giving people the support for that as well not just getting your job done and making sure they're doing their job but how are you doing transitioning remote what are you finding challenging what's good for you what's not good for you Mm -hmm. Uh, because a a lot of the trick of working remote is sort of balancing your personal and business commitments, and and it's a it's a practice that all of us have to adopt and probably none of us are perfect at it and we all have to make changes <laughs> as we evolve right um, and that's an important piece of helping people through the transition i think
0: yeah it's it, it, you're making me want to come work with you trish i want you to be <laughs> my my boss <laughs> awesome i'll take ya. Oh, That'd you oh it'd be great <laughs> well <laughs> Yeah, I think your people are lucky. I, I've heard a lot of really wonderful things in terms of, of uh, leadership. We had another uh, podcast that had to do with leadership, and I, I think it's wonderful to hear about, you know, servant leadership, and especially women in, in leadership positions, too. You know, obviously, I have a bias toward that. So if I were to start, you know, as a new remote manager, what would be some of my priority? I think
1: first of all establishing the relationship with your people and being intentional about establishing that relationship and then of course part of that relationship is trust Um, and then I think building a structure that makes sense for whatever it is you're doing and obviously that varies based on the types of roles teams have but if you can Establish relationships. I I firmly believe that relationships between people are the biggest part of what we do as leaders and managers. And I don't care what environment you're in. I think that that is a key component. But having the relationship and then setting up the the structure. um, And then depending on what your work task is, if you're supervising a team where folks have to be working together, then I think you have to work to facilitate the relationships between the team as well. Right. So that everybody's working together, it's it is odd as a remote manager because you don't see your interact the interactions between your staff. You don't know how often they're talking or what they're talking about, or you know you can't even like in a in a face to face environment you can sort of figure out who the sort of gossipy people are and yeah. and who kind of sticks to themselves. You can't figure that out in the remote environment. No, Whereas it's not as easy to see. You can't. I mean, over time you can sort of you know, put some things yes, together, but longer. Yeah. yeah,
0: it it does
1: take longer. So being able to set that structure and, and set the tone for all of that. And then I think too, I always tell new employees um, when I'm training them that if there's something going on with them that they're unhappy about or something, they got to talk to me about it. Because, again, we don't have that context in a remote environment to know. Like, you can't walk by somebody's office and see that they're frustrated or angry, or you don't see their body language necessarily in a meeting to know what's going on. Although now with video, that makes it better.
0: It makes it a little
1: bit better, right. But not always totally, because you can still hide stuff maybe that you wouldn't in a physical environment. So... Uh, I just, I always encourage folks when they come to work for me, just tell me, like, if something's going on, if you're unhappy, if you don't like something, if it's frustrating for you, you've got to communicate that to me because I'm not going to be able to guess what it is.
0: And how do you give them, I mean, I guess you're giving them straight out permission and you you don't just tell them that once, right? You tell them more than once and you build that trust with them, right? Right. Well, and I, again, going back to the servant
1: leader, um, When I have meetings with my staff, the staff drive the agenda. Okay. So my, and again, this is my way of doing things. I'm not saying it's perfect and everyone has to do it this way, but this is what I have found to be effective for me. Um, When I go into meetings, my one-on-ones, almost always I start with, okay, what do you have? What do you need from me? What are your questions? Right. And I do that from the day somebody starts working for me. I mean, okay. obviously, their first day, I have to, like, explain and give them an order chart and do all those things you have to do. Right. But then from day two on, it's like, okay, what did you get done yesterday? What do you have questions about? You know, what do you need to understand? Um, now, I obviously, when I go into my one-on-ones, I may have things I need to discuss with staff as well, and, and I do that, but I try to make those the secondary agenda. Okay. I try to, the things that the staff need, address those first. And then address the things that I need second.
0: That's wonderful. <laughs> I'm just thinking it's wonderful. I, I, now I, I get i I've got another thing that, that I can put in my pocket after today. That's <laughs> not what's happened in my in the past. So that's great.
1: Good, good. Well, hopefully this will be helpful to other folks as well. Yes.
0: Oh, I can see that. I can see that. Well, do you have any Um, I mean, you shared a lot with us in terms of leadership, servant leadership, the idea of understanding the context, um, some common pitfalls or things that we might, you know, fall into in terms of being a new remote manager, and what should be our our top priorities? Are there any last-minute thoughts that you'd like to leave with us, Trish?
1: I do. I, I think... Anytime you do something new, it's going to be hard and it's going to be a change from what you've done in the past. So, especially for all the folks right now out there that are getting pushed into a remote environment and they're maybe not so thrilled about being in a remote environment, I would just encourage people to give themselves some grace and some room to make mistakes. The thing about leadership and management is that it's never perfect. and Even for people who have years and years and years years of experience, there's always room for growth and things they can be doing and changing. So I think for people who are transitioning into the environment, and especially in the kind of crazy, insane environment we're all in right now, um, for folks to be patient with themselves and cut themselves some slack and realize they're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. Um, and that we will all learn and grow from those mistakes. And I, I do tell my staff, too, you know, a lot of times you learn more from the mistakes you make than the things you do right. Right. And so I think that's an important thing for people right now. People are so psychologically stressed and there's so much pressure. And I know for a lot of academics from every level, from college level down to K-12, people are very dedicated to their students and wanting to help their students and feeling like they're letting their students down because we don't have this perfect right. environment right now. Right. But I think it's okay for people to be human and and give themselves some room to figure it all out.
0: Well, what wonderful words, Trish, uh, to give one another some space, some grace, as you said, and to understand that we're human and that this is a lifelong learning process. Wonderful words for us to to leave this session. Thank you, Dr. Tricia Berry, um, Associate Dean um, at Purdue Global University. Have a wonderful week.